Thank you, and you may be seated. It's a privilege to be here tonight in this fine audience of people at at this at Edmonton Exhibition Gardens. And we are trusting the exceedingly abundantly tonight in the presence of the Lord. It's been a delightful eight days of service with you fine Canadian people. I shall never forget you. And it was little that I knew that just exactly eight years ago this week, or ten years ago this week, I was here my last time in the same place. I want to take this time to thank the cooperating ministers, and I speak for my manager, Mr. Softman, and for Mr. Rasmussen also, for Mr. Mercer, Mr. Goad, the tape artist, Billy Paul, and myself, that we certainly appreciate your fine cooperation and all that you have done. We thank you for your attendance, for your faith, your confidence, and our services that we are trying to hold for the glory of God. And we pray that God will bless you abundantly. We also want to thank the garden chair for letting us have this place. And for this, our brother over here who's the on the public address system, doing a wonderful job. A great place like this with acoustics would surely be poor with all the roof open up there, but he's certainly doing a wonderful job, the engineer. We want to thank him. For the boys at the door, the ushers, for the organists, the cooperating ministers, all. I hope I don't leave anyone out. If I do, I don't mean to. We thank you, each and every one. Then I just come up a few moments ago to hear there was taking a, an offering, a love offering for me. I wish I didn't have to do that. We only want just to pay the expenses. And if the expenses is made before our services is over, there's no more offerings taken. And then uh, they give me a love offering because... My expenses runs very heavy. Runs at home when I just don't have very big meetings. I keep it small so I can go where the Lord sends me. My expenses runs me whether I'm on the field or not. At home, about a hundred dollars a day. And if I'm off four or five days, you see what it means. I'm that much behind. See, and. Um, we send out handkerchiefs and so forth all over the world. We'd be glad to send you one if you want one. We've got some here tonight to be prayed over. And the biggest part and the greatest amount of miracles that I know of being done is by the mail. Some time ago I was coming down from the New York, Boston, and I stopped over in Virginia at a little place that seated about 1,100 people. I just got inside the door when I back behind a curtain or a little building, and I, or a little office rather, and I heard the minister saying, 
we asked Brother Roberts if he'd come and hold us a meeting. He said, you're too small. said, we asked Brother A.A. A. Allen if he'd come hold us a meeting. And Brother A.A. A. Allen said, you're, you're too small. But said, Brother Branham didn't question it, he'd come. Now, that was nice. But when I got to the platform, I said, now, I appreciate the minister saying that. But the reason Brother Allen and Brother Roberts couldn't come, their obligations too great. Now, where my expenses would probably run a hundred dollars a day at home, Brother Roberts will probably run about seven thousand dollars a day. See, he has a nationwide television, international broadcast of the radio, and he has an office there with hundreds working in it. He owns his own paper, which he has nearly a half a million subscribers. You, you just can't... The brethren would come. It's not, it's not in their heart that they didn't want to come. But the place... They couldn't visit those small places because they just couldn't get the money from them. Well, I just haven't any education and no ability. And I, I'm very thankful. I, I know that. And so I don't try to let my meetings be up on big scales like that. That worried me to death if I had to beg people for money. I, I couldn't do it. And I, I just held a revival in a building that holds 30 people when it's packed out. 30 people. But wherever the Lord sends me, if it's down to a little city and a little place that holds 30 people or 10 people or 5 people or... I have no great obligations, the reason I can't go. Then if he wants me to go over to Africa and preach to, to India to 500,000, somebody just sponsors me and I go. So I like to live just free in the Lord, doing what he tells me to do, going where he tells me to go, not bound or obligated by anything. There's one thing that I do solicit, your prayers. I want to thank each and every one of you for what you put in to the little love offering tonight. I'll assure you there won't be any foolishness. It won't go for foolishness. I didn't say this until after the offering was taken up. I'm perhaps now about $1,500 short in the bank. <laughs> when I was at Tacoma, I was right on a $1,000 short without a penny. And now it's more than that since this much time. And I wouldn't say it till the offering was taken up and it's all over. And I'm, the Lord supplies my needs just as I have need of it, he gives it to me. So I'm grateful to you, and it'll go to... And those things are nothing but to send help to the parts of the world through handkerchiefs and ministry and everything that has to be done, you know, to keep the ministry rolling. It'll be for the very best. Some of your living you put in there, and I pray that God will repay you back a hundredfold, is my sincere prayer, each one of you. And now, if I don't see you again... I hope to see you soon, but if I don't, I'll meet you at the river before we cross, and on that bright and cloudless morning. But I hope that the day soon returns, but when I can come back again and be with you, if you all desire me to come back sometime for a longer stay and can be with you longer, so we can get more acquainted with each other, and, and my ministry can come a little more closer to you so you can see that it's not something spooky or, or something 
It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I love him with all my heart. I hope I don't have to wait another ten years. He may come in that much time. I kind of think he might do it. So I don't know when he will come. But when we look around and see sin on every side, we feel like John of old, even so come Lord Jesus. And now, tonight, is the, I thought maybe that I would just give a moment to explain a little about my ministry and then the text, and we're going to take just as much time as we can to pray for all the sick that we possibly can. I think the best of our calculation, there's been somewhere around seven, eight hundred people that's come and give their lives to the Lord Jesus in this meeting. Now, maybe all of them will not hold out. I believe they will. But if they don't, if there's just one that's worth every effort that we put forth, it's worth every penny that we spend. See, it might be you. It might be you. And now in my ministry, as I'm going to pray for the sick, and don't aim to preach but just a little bit, because I've just got through preaching a long service this afternoon, I'd like to kind of explain the background. <clears throat> I, my contention is this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says that. And I believe if he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's got to be the same in principle, power, and every way. The only way that he is could not be the same is his corporal body. His corporal body sits on the throne of God for a bleeding sacrifice before the throne of his majesty to make intercessions upon our confession. He cannot help us until we confess it first. For he's the high priest of our confession. And I believe that all healing comes from God. I do not condemn doctors. I think that doctors are God sent to us. Hospitals and clinics. Do I condemn them? I constantly pray for them. That God will give them knowledge to help poor suffering humanity. And I'm very grateful to God for everything that he's done, for penicillin, for the salt vaccine, for everything that he's done. And pray that the hour will soon come when they'll find something to curb cancer and, and the other diseases. If it ever comes, it'll have to come through God alone. I think if we Christians would spend much time praying for that, we'd be better off to the whole human race. And in my ministry... I believe that, that Jesus Christ comes and he visits the people with his presence and their faith in his finished work heals them. I have nothing to do with the healing. I cannot heal anyone. And to my honest opinion, now if there's any man here that doubts this, I do not want to, to just uh, have... Uh, a little fuss with you about it, but I, I do not believe there's any man on the face of the earth that can heal you. I believe that healing is of God. 
And the doctor does not heal. Medicine does not heal. It's only an aid to nature. God heals. Break your arm, the doctor sets it. God heals it. If you got appendicitis, the doctor cuts out the obstruction. God does the healing. No medicine will build tissues. Nature does that, which they call nature, which we know to be life, which is God. God does the healing. Well, what happens when we can't get... The, the doctor can't do no more. His medicine doesn't help. And we, he set the bone, but it won't heal. Then we've got to go to the specialist, the Lord Jesus. And then ask him and believe that what we've asked for, we receive. Now, here's what happens in the meeting. I am unlearned and I have no education. But the Lord, when I was just a little baby, visit the... The cradle where I was born, the very moment I was born, a light hung over the place. My people, formerly, are Catholic. But my father and mother went to no church. That light hung there. They wept. They didn't know what it was. When I was about three or four, between three and four years old, he spoke to me. I was in the mountains of Kentucky, said, you'll live near a city called New Albany. I've lived 40 years and three miles of that city, hundreds of miles away. All through my life, it has been a mystery. He comes and he tells me things and shows me things. When I was first ordained in the ministry, at about 21 years old, I was ordained in the Missionary Baptist Church. And I was a, a very grateful for my church, and yet tonight, for the Baptist people. Wonderful people. But the Baptist people, when I tell them this, most of the ministers would say, Oh, that, don't fool with that, Billy. That's the devil. And one night while praying for God to never do it again, the angel of the Lord, not a vision now, the angel of the Lord walked right in front of me and told me what it was. And told me it was a sign in the last days that this would go forth and said, What for me to do? And if I be reverent, this other would be added. And some of my first meetings was right here at Canada. And everything that he said, I'll take anyone to record tonight, he's never said one word wrong in the tens of thousands of visions. What is it? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, he said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. Now the vine doesn't bear fruit. It only puts the life into the branch, and the branch bears fruit. We know that. Jesus said, when he was sure on earth, the works that I do shall you do also. A little while in the world won't see me no more, yet you will see me. For I will be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. Now the unbeliever would no more see him, but the believer would see him in every age. That makes him the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of works did he do? St. John five nineteen. he said, I do nothing until the Father shows me first. Anyone knows that? The Father worketh, I worketh hitherto. Let's take just a couple of instances of his word, of his ministry. Did he claim to be a healer? No. He said, It's not me that doeth the works, it's my Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. The Father shows me, and I go do what he says. Then according to his own word, he never performed one miracle, in all of his ministry, 
until the Father showed him first by vision what to do. Uh, if, he, if he did anything, then he said something wrong in St. John 5, 19. So he can't lie. He was God. So then we find out that one day a fellow got converted by the name of Nathaniel, or Philip, and he went around the mountain about 30 miles and found his friend Nathaniel under a tree praying, said, Come see who we found, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. He said, Could anything good come out of Nazareth? He gave him the best answer that I know. He said, come and see. When they come up to where Jesus was, that was Jesus yesterday now. He looked out over his audience. He seen the man standing there, but Philip, he said, behold an Israelite in whom there's no guile. Now he could have been a Greek. He could have been a Roman. But he said, an Israelite in whom no guile. It astonished the Jew. He said, when did you know me, Rabbi? He said, before Philip called you, when you were under the tree, I saw you. Saw you. I seen you 30 miles around behind that mountain. Some eyes, wasn't it? So he ran up to him and fell down. He said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. That was a Jew. That's what he thought about that miracle. That was the seal of his Messiahship. Later, one day, he went up. Going to Jericho, he went around Samaria. The father told him to go up around Samaria. He had need to do it. Sat down on a well, sent the disciples away. A woman come to him. And he got to talking with the woman. And he said, bring me a drink. She said, it's not customary for you to ask me such. We have no dealings, the Samaritans and Jews. He said, but if you knew who was talking to you, you'd ask me for a drink. And he carried the conversation till he found what her trouble was. And he said, go get your husband and come here. I remember this is another nation of people, not Jews, they're Samaritans. And now the Jews, the sign and seal of his Messiahship was telling Nathaniel that he was an honest man and tell him where he was before he come to see him. That was a seal of his Messiahship. Now watch. He said to the woman... Go get your husband and come here. He found her trouble. She said, I don't have any husband. Said, that's right, you've got five. And the one you have now is not your husband. She said, sir, now listen to this, another nation. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. She said, we know, we Samaritans, we know when the Messiah cometh, he'll tell us these things. But who are you? He said, I'm he. And she left her water bucket and ran into the city and said, Come see a man who told me the things that I have done. Isn't this the very Messiah? If that was the seal of his Messiahship in that day, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, with the Gentiles in this day, the Western people, if he is the same, it's the same seal of Messiahship. Amen. The same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a high priest that can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. A woman touched his garments. He got weak. He said, who touched me? They said, no one touched you. Or the whole crowd touched you. And all of them denied it. But he said, I got weak. Virtue went from me. Strength went out of me. I weakened. Just one woman touching him. He looked around over the audience till he found her. And he said, Thy faith has saved thee. Now she touched him with a different type of touch. 
Now listen, friends. If he's the same Jesus tonight, not the Old Testament, but the New Testament says that he's the high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. How many knows that? If he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's got to answer the same way if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Believe this now while we pray and thank you for your kindness. And we will try not to keep you too long tonight and have the prayer line. But all the time doing the meeting, this is the closing of the meeting of this series of services of my part. Brother Carbel will begin his services, which has been announced. I believe that this has all been the will of the Lord. That boy to put up that tent out here, what a muddy thing he'd have had this week. So the Lord has provided him a nice place to go and carry this same audience right over there, already fed up and spiritual, ready for great services to begin there. If you're sick and needy, if you don't get in the prayer line, feel you want to go down there, I'd say I'd advise you to do it, attend the meeting. I believe he's a local Canadian. Aren't you a Canadian boy? A Canadian-born boy. And I've just known him a little bit, but I sure love him as my brother. And they got some of the best music and singing that I've heard. The Lord bless you now while we bow our heads for prayer. Most holy God of heaven, we are approaching Thee reverently in the name of Thy beloved Son, the Lord Jesus. And oh, how we thank Thee for His friendship and His fellowship as we sit in heavenly places enjoying this blessed fellowship around Thy Word. We just love it. For it is written in the Bible that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. And we just love to feast upon that word. And now as we open back the pages of thy holy writ, we pray that you will just come right into your word and make it live tonight. The Word is a seed, said our Master. And if the seed falls in the right ground, it has to produce life of its kind. And we pray that the, the promises of God will anchor into fertile hearts of faith tonight and produce salvation and healing to this audience. We thank Thee for them, Father. This is a purchase of your blood that I have the privilege of speaking to tonight. Let me speak that which is profitable and good to thy people, for I'm sure you love them, and I love them, and I pray that you will anoint me to speak just the thing, and then send your Holy Spirit upon me at the end of this meeting also. And may great signs and wonders of the risen Jesus, the seal of his Messiahship, to this Western people. The sun is setting, and the prophet said, it'll be light just before the sun goes down. And it would be on the Western people. Of course, it could not be shining on the East at the time. So I pray that you will send forth the light. Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
And I pray that you'll send it up on us tonight as we wait. We ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus, thy child. Amen. And any time needing a handkerchief or anything now, if you didn't get it in tonight, just write me, uh, William Branham, Jeffersonville, Indiana, post office box is 325, don't necessarily have to be that. You'll not be done or ask for any pledges or any, sometimes people send me a little money to help me out to buy stamps, it costs about, I guess, 300 a week for stamps, so, uh, to help, but you don't have to do that. And then the books... The boys sold out of them. They're taking orders, which will be sent right straight back to you. Uh, we don't have them ourselves. We have to send and get them and send them to you. Now, in the book of St. Luke's Gospel, the second chapter, and beginning at the 25th verse, I wish to read just a portion of his word. For I know that the reading of his word will produce life. My word is the word of a man. It can fail. That's the word of God, and it cannot fail. Now listen at the reading. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And, the, and he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parent brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law... Then tuck he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for my eyes have seen thy salvation, which has appeared before the face of all people, a light, a light, to the Gentiles, and a glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is sent for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel. And for a sign that shall be spoken against. And may the Lord add his blessings to his word. Now, just for about 15 minutes or 20, I want to take this for a text. The leadings of the Spirit and the anticipations and expectations. It would be better for me to place it expectations and leadings of the Spirit. I believe that we get just what we expect. People go to services many times when they hear of something taking place 
they go with their minds made up that they're not going to believe a word of it, then there's no need of going. Whatever you expect, that's what you get. If you come tonight expecting to find something in the meeting that you could go away and criticize it, the devil will produce that for you. But if you come with an honest heart, expecting to see the glory of God, God will reveal Himself to you. It's just what you expect. And in the leadings. Now we find tonight in our opening here, Romans had captured the Israelites and they were under the the rulership of the Roman Empire. And the church had cooled off. But no matter how cold and formal the church ever gets, God's always had a remnant of people that He could put His hands on that believed Him. Always had. He always will have. It had got very low this time. As far as we know, there were John the Baptist, Simeon at the temple, Anna, the blind prophetess, just a little handful that was looking and waiting. But they had all settled down and got pretty good jobs as tax collectors and so forth and were at ease. And for 4,000 years, the church had been looking for the promised Messiah. And there being at Jerusalem at this time, an old man by the name of Simeon. And I like the way the Scripture states it, the Holy Ghost was upon him. In that great evil day, great day of formality and indifference, the Holy Spirit could still rest on a man. And he was old. They called them old teachers sages. An old sage with a fine reputation. And he was well known and well loved among the people. But one day when he was sitting in his room and was filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit come down upon him and gave him a revelation. God still gives revelations. And he gave him a revelation and said, Simeon, you'll not taste death until you see my salvation. And Simeon believed it. That's the good part. When the Holy Spirit reveals something, let's believe it. For he knows we do not. I could just see Simeon as he raises from his study, throws his hands into the air and said, Bless God forever, I believe it. Now he went to testifying about it. 
a man that really believes that something has been revealed to him, he's not ashamed to testify of it. Abraham was not afraid or ashamed in our message last night to testify he was going to have that baby by Sarah when it was totally, humanly impossible for it to happen. But he called those things which were not as though they were. That's faith. And the Bible said he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong, giving praise to God for his promise. And Simeon likewise, when the Holy Spirit told him that he was going to see God's salvation, the Messiah, before he seen death, Simeon wasn't afraid for he knew that God was able to keep that what he had promised. Amen. The reason he did this, he was full of the Holy Spirit. He believed it. It was a settled fact. And now could you imagine some of those young soldiers and young rabbis with all their theology in their head going around and say, well, I suppose old age is just caught up on him. As we would put it in a street expression, he had one foot in the grave already. We are taught by history that he was better than 80 years old. But it no matter how old or how young, the blessed Holy Spirit can still give revelations and he wasn't ashamed. Oh, he had a great name. But he didn't care about his earthly prestige. He listened to what the Holy Spirit had to say. And he ran around telling everybody, you know, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that I'm not going to die until I see the coming of the Messiah. Praise the Lord. And that's a statement. For a man of his caliber, God give us some more high-calibered man with that kind of a witness. And something down in him craved and longed for the hour when he would see it and it would be made manifest. Something in him witnessed that it was the truth. Man of God and sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. As David said once in the Psalms, the deep calling to the deep at the noise of thy water spouts. The deep calling to the deep. And there's got to be a deep to respond if there is a deep calling. And otherwise, before there could be a fin on a fish's back, there has to be a water first for him to use that fin or he would have no fin. God would not have given him a fin if there was no water for him to use it in. Before there was a tree to grow in the earth, there had to be an earth first or there would have been no tree. Here are some 
time ago I was reading a piece in a paper of a little boy who always at school, the teacher sent, told his mommy, said the little boy's eating the racers off of pencils all the time. Well, his mother thought maybe just like the taste of the rubber. And one day she found him out on the side porch eating the rubber pedal off of a bicycle. She knew there must be something wrong with him. So she took him down to the clinic. And the doctors examined him, giving his blood test and so forth, found out that his little body was craving sulfur. Sulfur is found in rubber. So you see, before he could crave for sulfur, there had to be a sulfur to respond to that crave. Do you get it? Sum it up in this. Before there is a creation, there has to be a creator to create the creation. And if you hunger and thirst for God, healing power, there's got to be a fountain open somewhere. Certainly. If I should ask this group of believers tonight, how many would like to have a deeper experience with God? Every hand would go up. Well, before you could desire a deeper experience, there's a deeper experience somewhere that's creating that desire. And here you come in tonight in wheelchairs, in cots, stretchers, bringing in your sick and afflicted. What is it? There's something in you that tells you there's a God that will heal. And before that can be in you, there has to be a God to create it. And there's got to be a fountain open somewhere to respond to that call that's in you. When the deep calleth to the deep. And when Simeon knowed that there was something in him that was witnessed by the Holy Spirit, that the Christ was to be born before he died, he wasn't ashamed of his testimony. One day, there was somebody expecting to see something else happen. Way back in the east, in the land of India, I was there a couple of years ago, and it hasn't changed a bit since that day. Still just as primitive as it was. They had the wise man, and they were watching the stars. For they know Balaam, the prophet, said that a star shall rise out of Jacob. And they were watching for that star. And they knew, according to the Scriptures, it was just about time for it to happen. Oh, can you see what I'm trying to get at? Can't you understand that the human heart that are flocking to these great revivals, there's something in you telling you that something's about to take place. It's at the eve. And all this preparation, 
great spiritual signs and awakenings over the world. It's the coming of the Lord. And the church ought to make herself ready and be prepared when she comes. She's going away someday. These wise men was expecting that star to rise. And all at once they saw it. And remember, they kept time. The way they know what time of night it was was by the stars. They had an observatory on top of every city. And there was a watchman set up there, and they'd go ask what time it was. He'd tell them by the moving of the stars. Now that star crossed the entire nations over every city. And every astronomer looking in the skies, and none of them saw it but those who were looking for it. Certainly, people come to the meeting. They see the precious Lord Jesus and every power that He used when He was here moving the people. Some of them say, I don't see that. No wonder you wasn't expecting to see it. But if you're longing and loving and willing and expecting, God is here to reveal Himself to you. It passed over and the rest of them never saw it. And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, it wasn't such a great glamour as the world would call it. And so a few shepherds run into the city of Bethlehem saying some angels had visited him. And of course, to receive a critical laugh and a scoff at the city gatekeeper and the others, that's what you'd receive today, just the same. Because the people are spiritually blind. Jesus said they would be. And his word cannot be broken. And as they entered in, now the news don't get around then or did not get around like it does today. We got television and press, and, and if it would, there'd been the same critical things said today as would be said then. But after eight days after the little one being born, let's just turn our faces for a few minutes to a drama. So these little girls and boys sitting here in the front and around will get the picture of it. Let's say it's on Monday morning. And the Jewish custom is when a woman gives birth to a baby. After eight days, the males have to be circumcised. And she has to offer an offering for her purification. And the, the rich people could bring a lamb. The peasant offering was two turtle doves. Now there's about two million Jews in Jerusalem at the time of the birth of Christ. So you can imagine how many babies, male babies, would be born over a night. Now it's Monday morning, and the many's around the temple. Way over on one side, I can see a string of mothers all the way down to the main floor, holding their little babies. Eight days since their birth. And along the line, I can see fine ladies holding a little lamb by the 
their little chain or something on his neck, their pretty little babies all in needlework, little pink blankets and little booties and the little blue ones and so forth, as all the mothers with their little ones just chattering and talking about it, all waiting for their sacrifice to be offered and the circumcision of their babies. And let's call attention way down there. I see a little girl, not over about 16, 17 years old, and she's holding in her arm a little baby, and it, everybody's keeping their distance from her. The baby is wrapped in swaddling's cloth. Not needlework. Oh, this stiff-necked world. Not needlework, but swaddling cloth. Do you know what swaddling cloth is? It's what they take off the back of the yoke of an ox when it's plowing. And the Prince of Peace was wrapped in swaddling's cloth. The Creator of heavens and earth come here without a decent place to be born and was put into a manger. And his darling little mother, why, them women said, keep your distance from her. She was engaged to some old man with four kids. And she had this baby not even married to him yet. Don't associate with such as that. That just reminds me of stuck-up, so-called professed Christians that they don't want to associate with a man or woman that's born again of the Spirit of God. Amen. They call them holy rollers, fanatics. But Mary, as she held that little baby in her arm, no matter what any of them said, she knowed whose son that was. Brother, sister, there's not a man or woman in here that's ever had the Holy Spirit come upon them in new birth. But what knows what that is in your heart? Amen. Let them call anything they want to. But you know what you're cradling. So they kept their distance. And as the lions moved up, she moved quickly with her little baby, gooing it on the little chin making it laugh, you know, with no teeth and, oh, they're cute. My little Joseph, my little girls thought he was so cute, they, they would bite him to make him cry so they see we didn't have no teeth. That got him to bite him. So, there she would look at the little fella. Now let's watch. If God made a promise to Simeon, that he would see the Messiah, God's obligated to show Simeon the Messiah. Amen. And little did those priests and people passing and going on through with their religious ceremonies, little did they know that the Prince of Peace was in the temple. Amen. And I say that would be in any nation on the world nearly tonight. The Prince of Peace can go into the city and do things and the people care little about it. Amen. They don't understand it. They're not expecting it. 
They're placing it all somewhere in a great millennium when these things will be done. It's going to be done and over and you're going to be left. Don't look for anything different. We are here as Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. We are now, now we are the sons of God. Not we will be, we are now. Notice, way back over in the study, I can see an old gray-headed man, probably a few gray hairs hanging down below the bald spot on his head, the whiskers hanging down about like this, and he's picking up a scroll. And he read in Isaiah where it said, Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. That he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. The chasm of our peace upon him, with his stripes we were healed. Then he reads again, Unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given. And his name shall be called Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. All of a sudden, the something taken place. Amen. Said the Holy Spirit, said, Simeon, stand on your feet. Yes, my Lord. He got up. What is this? That's the Holy Spirit that spoke to me. What's going on? Stand up, Simeon. Start walking. Where shall I go? Just keep walking. Oh, I love because he does it that way. If he says, walk, walk, don't matter where you go. And he starts walking. Here he comes, led by the Spirit. Walks out into the people, milling around through the people. After a while, the Holy Spirit led him over to this line. Here he comes down along this line of women. And just as he got before this little criticized, ridiculed girl, the Holy Spirit said, Stop, Simeon! Simeon looked over. Might have seen that same light that John saw. He rushed over to the little lady, taking the baby out of her arms, and said, Lord, let thy servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Oh, my. Christ in His temple recognized by just two or three. Sure, He come to His temple. God was in His holy temple, and the people didn't know it. And but those who were expecting Him saw Him. Now there was an old blind woman by the name of Anne. She sat over by a post at the door. She's seventy-something years old, and the spirit of prophecy was upon her. She was considered a prophetess. She did not leave the temple night nor day, but she served the Lord, and she was waiting for the consolation of Israel. See, she was expecting something. And those who are expecting, that's why I think you're out here tonight. The things that the Edmonton congregation of the Christians has expected, I believe God's going to reveal Himself to them tonight. Because you've been expecting it. 
And she was expecting to see or know when the, the consolation came to Israel. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her. And that blind woman, nearly 84 years old, I believe, raised up in the Spirit. And she went milling through the people, blind, walking around through the people, led by the Holy Spirit, moved by the power of God. And she went around milling this old blind woman around through the people until she come, not could see her hands before her, and stopped right before that little baby and blessed God for him. God could lead a blind woman to the Messiah. Then he can lead a blind woman to the Messiah now. We are led by the Spirit of God. Spiritual leadings. If you'll pardon the testimony for a moment. Something comes on my mind at this time. One day I was coming from Dallas, Texas. And we got in a storm. And the plane was forced to land at Memphis, Tennessee. And they told us the storm would be most of the night. That they'd call us the next morning and they put us up in that great famous hotel, Peabody Hotel. I didn't even know how to act in it. We went up, went to bed, I wrote some letters. And the next morning, they called us and he said the limousine would pick us up at 7 o'clock. On the street. And all of a sudden, something said, stop a minute. You know what I speak of. Stop just a minute. Well, I thought that was just, I just thought that. I kept on going. I got across the street and the big Irish cop looked at me because it walked across on a red light. And so then I got up like I was looking in a store like this. And I had these letters in my pocket to mail. And I looked and there was a mailbox on the corner, so I mailed the letters. And something said, just keep walking. Well, I thought, I better get back. I started this way, I couldn't go. Did you ever have that feeling? I started again, I couldn't do it. So I turned and went walking this way. Something said, just keep walking. On I went, walking on down. First thing you know, I come over into the side of the river part there. I found myself down in a little colored district. Bunch of little shanties. Oh, the sun was high. I looked at my watch. Was already 7.30. Now I was then good two miles from a hotel. But something just kept saying, walk. And I started singing that little song that you Pentecostal people sing. Uh, people almost everywhere whose hearts are all aflame with the power that fell on Pentecost that cleansed and made them clean. Oh, it's burning now within my heart. Oh, glory to His name. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. You know that song. And I just heard him sing it and I was humming it. And I looked at a little old shack there and a leaning across the gate was a very typical old Aunt Jemammy. 
She had a man's shirt tied around her head. Great, big, fat cheeks. Well, I was about 40 yards from her. I was humming that song, and I just quit humming it, passed on by, not knowing, oh, it was a beautiful morning. After the storm, the roses, the honeysuckles, the fragrance is just, just bursting into the air. And I was singing in the Spirit as I moved along. And this old colored woman, when I passed by, she said, Good morning, parson. Now, a minister in the South is a parson. I turned and looked at her. I said, Good morning, auntie. And the tears was running down them big black fat cheeks. And she was kind of smiling. I said, how did you know I was a parson? She said, I knowed you was coming. And I said, how did you know it, auntie? And she said, did you ever read in the Bible about the Shunammite woman? I said, yes, ma'am, I have. She said, "Eyes was that kind of woman. I had no children. Said, I was a washwoman. And she said, I promised the Lord if He would give me a child, I would raise it for His glory. And she said, I've been a Christian since I was a little baby girl. She looked to be in her late 50s or 60. And she said, the Lord give me a fine boy. She said, in Parson, he got out in wrong company, and he took a bad disease, syphilis, and his blood was four plus, the doctor man said, and there was nothing could be done for him, and said, he's in the room dying. Said, the doctor man left day before yesterday, he was unconscious, said he would never gain conscious again. She said, Parson... I, I just couldn't stand to see my baby die in that condition. Said, I prayed to the Lord all night before last, all last night. And along about two o'clock this morning, said, I fell asleep. And I dreamed that I was talking to the Lord. And he said, Lord, you gave me the baby like you did the Shunammite woman, but where is that Elisha? And said, I, the Lord told me, look, and I seen a man coming wearing a tan suit and a little tan hat. And said, it was you, parson. And I've been standing here at this gate before daylight waiting for you to come. God works on both ends of the line. I said, Auntie, my name is Branham. Did you ever hear of me? She said, No, Sir Possum Branham, I never did hear you. I said, I pray for the sick. No, sir, I never did hear from you. And she wasn't interested about praying for the sick. She didn't want her boy to die in that shape. So I went in with an old chain hanging on the gate with a plow point for a weight to pull the gate back. Little old whitewash cabin, clapboard shingles, splits on the sign. Doubt whether anybody here knows what that is or not. But when I went into that house, no rug on the floor, 
a little old iron bedstead and a great big huge black boy laying there about 180 pounds, about six foot tall. I looked around that little old house, a little old stove sitting there, one of those little step stoves. And a sign on the side of the wall saying, God bless our home. I've been in king's palaces. I've been in the king of England's palace, King George, the late King George. I was in the palace with gusto of Sweden, always welcome, and to the Kruger Palace in South Africa and many other places and been welcomed, but never did I feel any more welcome than I did in that little Negro shack that morning because God was there. And I'd rather have a little home like that with God bless our home on the side than to have the best home there is in Edmonton with pinups all over it and so forth. That's right. And as I walked in, this big boy was laying there, had the blanket in his hand going, mmm, mmm. I said, good morning, sir. She said, Parson, he hasn't spoke a word and noted anything for three days. He's dying. And I looked at her. She said, will we pray? And we knelt down on the floor. He said, mmm, mmm. I thought, that poor fellow, I felt of his feet, just as stiff and icy as it could be. I said, he's very sick. I said, what's he mumbling? Said, he's saying it's dark in here. Said, he's been saying that for three days. And says, he thinks he's out on the ocean, lost. And he's in a little boat, and he thinks he's rowing this boat. And he's lost in the dark, and he's screaming. She said, tears running down her face. She said, Parson, I just can't see my baby behind that shape. I said, let's pray, Auntie. We knelt down. I said, you pray. And she said, begin to pray. And oh, my, you talk about a prayer. That old black woman rendered a prayer to God. God, that would make the hardest heart cry. I stood there and just bathed in the beauty of God while she was praying. She wiped her big eyes out. She said, now will you pray, Parson? I put my hand over on his feet. I said, Lord, I don't know why I was led down here. But maybe this is the place. I can't understand. But I pray that you'll help this poor, dear saint of yours who stood faithfully. Her back was wet with dew where she'd been standing through the night in the early morning. And I said, help her and spare the life of this poor boy. And had no more got that much of the prayer till he said, Oh, Mammy, I stopped. She said, Yes, honey, baby. What does Mammy's baby want? 
That shows love. Though he would disgrace her home, though he was dying in sin and, and disgrace with a venereal disease, yet that mother's love still regarded him as her baby. Then think about the grace of God. Will a mother ever forget her suckling baby? Yes, she might. But I can never forget you. Your names are engraved on the palms of my hands. And as I stood there a moment, he said, Oh, Mammy, she began kissing him. So what does Mammy's baby want? Said, Mammy, it's getting light in the room. In less than five minutes' time, that big boy was sitting on the side of the bed giving glory to God. I struck back quick to the plane, got me a cab, and when I got there, two hours and something late, they were just making the last call. Talk about sovereign grace, the faith of that ignorant colored woman grounded that plane and held it there. When I think of those things and the many I've seen, I think how rich, how pure, how fabulous and strong the love of God is for a poor, insignificant peasant, ignorant, colored woman. But her prayers grounded that plane and held it there and set me down there to pray for that boy. About a year later, I was making a trip to Phoenix by train. As you go into Memphis, you go into the station like this, I stopped. The sandwiches on the train was too high for me. About 30, 40 cents a piece, I'd get a hamburger for 15. So I jumped off the train, started running up that way to get me a hamburger while the train was waiting. And a little red cap run out there and said, Hello to our Parson Branham. I said, How do you do? He said, Don't you know me? I said, I don't believe I do, son. He said, you remember that morning you come down to my house and I was dying? I said, you're not that boy. He said, yes, Parson Branham. I was healed and I was a Christian now. Brother, the Spirit of God leads if you're expecting Him to do it. Just as great tonight as He was then and will be forever. Let us pray. I wished I could sing just now. I would love to sing that song, Oh, love of God, how rich and pure. God, no respect a person, how poor, how ignorant, that doesn't matter. If you're expecting Him, God will lead to you or lead you to Him. Father, in Christ's name I pray, As we're closing this great revival tonight, ten years I've longed to come here. Starting once in a snowstorm bound me and it wasn't seasonable. All week I've expected to see something take place. It might have already done it. 
God, I know it's some of these young fellows that's been saved or women will not be missionaries or ministers that'll carry the gospel to the four corners of the earth. God, I know that some of these testimonies won't be bearing upon people, others who are sick and afflicted. I've done all I know how to do. I pray that tonight will be that great hour that I've looked forward to. Bless those, dear Father, who are not surrendered yet to, to Christ. Those who you have chosen and knocked at their heart of many times. I pray that tonight they will receive you. As they have been led by the Holy Spirit to this place tonight. Maybe giving them their final test tonight. There might be an old man, young man, someone here that you've called for a long time and may get their last call just now. Here, Father, I pray through Christ's name, while we have our heads bowed, is there a group of people here tonight who doesn't know Jesus? You just joined church maybe, and maybe you haven't joined church. And we know that thou hast put their name on the book of life just now. They are yours. And I pray that you will keep them in thy grace. If they are sick, heal them. You've seen their hands go up. You know even every thought that's in their heart. You said that the Spirit of God is sharper, quicker than a two-edged sword. Even discerner of the thoughts of the mind. Hebrews 4. And I pray, Father God, that you'll bless them abundantly. And may, after this service tonight, may they find some good godly pastor here and go to him or either this coming week and say, Pastor, I got saved. I love the Lord. I want to join in the fellowship here with the rest of the Christians. I desire to be baptized. Granted, Father, I commit them to you, believing that you'll let me see them again, maybe in this life, if not in the life to come. I turn them to thee, Father, and thou gives them to thy Son as love gifts. No one can pluck them from his hand. We pray for them that you'll keep them happy and healthy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Calling today, this is calling today. Jesus is calling. He's tenderly. you love to worship the God of heaven like this? Sweetness, whiteness. Wonder if we could bow our head, raise our hands. All together now, worship. The message is over. Let's just worship him. Sing that again. Um, calling 
darkness while the music's playing. Just take a hold of a Christian's hand sitting by you. Say, God bless you, brother, sister, all around, everywhere, just in fellowship of worship now. The Holy Spirit's here, see? We're in one accord. God bless you, Christian friend. I'm a Methodist. You're a Baptist, Presbyterian, whatever you are. God bless you. That's right. Everybody. Just the fellowship. Fellowship divine. Oh, what blessed, sweet communion. Jesus is a friend of mine. Don't you just feel good? How many feels the presence of the Lord? Just the scoured out, just fresh. Sure, His Word goes forth. He's here, He's present. Let's sing that song, Leaning on the Everlasting Arm. Come on, everybody. The fellowship, what a joy divine. Leaning on the everlasting arm. Oh, how sweet to walk in sort of a headaches all the time because she's got a female trouble, a lady's trouble, 
that's bothering her. That's thus saith the Lord. Is that true or false? It's true. Watch here, friends. What do you think it is? There's something supernatural. What is it? You believe it to be the Son of God? Amen. If you do, then you can have what you ask for. If you will believe it with all your heart. Now, I just talked a moment to the girl. She's aware that something's taking place. What if I talked to her just a little longer? Being that she's the first patient. I don't know what he told her now. But let me talk to her again just for a moment. Just so that you'll see it. Just, it's infallibly the Holy Spirit. I see, I just contact her spirit again. What I said, that wasn't me. You're aware of that. I couldn't have said that. Now, isn't over you now a real sweet, humble feeling? If that's right, raise up your hand. Just something like you've never felt before. Now, he's going to speak again. I see it settling around the lady. Yes, I see her. It is. She's got a lady's trouble. A female disorder. It's bad. An abscess place. And the lady is praying for somebody else. Her brother. He isn't here. But he's a polio victim. And you are a Christian. And you go to a church. And you're a Baptist by denomination. That's thus saith the Lord. You're already healed, sister. So you can go off the platform happily. If thou canst believe, all things are possible. Now be real reverent. Just be as reverent as you can. Wait for the Lord. I suppose that you and I are strangers to each other, sir. We don't know each other. Now, the first case was a woman, like the woman at the well. Here is a case like that Philip went and got Nathaniel and brought him back. We've never met before, but Christ knows you. Now, if Christ will reveal to me something that's wrong with you if you are sick, or something that you've done, or something like he did in the Bible, you'll know whether that's right or not. Then will you believe that he's the risen Jesus and the light shining in the western countries on the Gentiles in this day? There'll be both man and woman. If the people can still hear my voice, the man's a leaving from me. And I see him being taken into a room with doctors. And it's an operation for a lung condition. And they removed a lung or a part of a lung. Cancered. And it's still bothering you.
You're from the city here also. Your number at your house is 11933, 49th Street. You are, your name's Rudolph Pipkin, something like that. That's right. Thus saith the Lord. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, Son of God, we ask for divine mercy for this dear dying brother. May death be changed to life for the glory of God. We ask in Jesus' name, and you said the last words as you left the earth, these signs shall follow them that believe. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. That's your promise, Father. I ask that in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We are strange to each other. It's your throat. That lady sitting right there has a throat trouble, tonsil trouble. If you can believe, that's right. Here's a spirit pulling between you both. That devil is screaming to that one for help, to try to get some doubt started in the church. There's a black streak between you two. But yours is a tonsil trouble. Yours is a cancer. You believe? You're not from this country. You're from Saskatchewan, a place like Lloyd Minister. Your name is Miss Hess. Oh, God. Oh, eternal and blessed Father. We rebuke the devil that's binding our sister. He might have hid from the doctor, but he can't hide from God. Come out of her. We charge thee by the living God that you depart from the woman. Amen. Go home and be well, sister. That's all right. Let him dismiss you. Believe with all your heart. All right, sister. Say, you, sir, sitting rubbing your eyes, it struck you so well that nose trouble that you had left you too. That's what you had, didn't you? Raise your hand. What did you touch? You touched the high priest that can be touched with the feeling of your infirmities. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. What's the strange thing to me that people that's born again have claimed to touch Kiss the cup of the blessings of God and can hold your peace when the Holy Spirit, the life of God, moving in the church. It's always puzzled me. Little lady, I do not know you. We are strangers to each other, are we? That is right. If God will reveal to me what your trouble is, will you accept Jesus as your healer? Your trouble is your eyes. You're going blind. 
They're getting dimmer all the time, and it seems like the changing of your glasses doesn't do it any good. Now you have glasses over your eyes, and the audience might think, well, sure, it's her eyes because she's wearing glasses. Then look at me just a minute and believe me to be God's servant, and maybe he'll speak something else to you. Yes, what you're praying for now is your husband. He's in a mental institution. That's right. Now, don't fear, sister. You're not in the presence of Brother Branham so much. It's the presence of Jesus Christ. Take that handkerchief to him. Lay it upon him. And may Jesus Christ bring him back to himself and home to you to live a happy life together. Lord God, heavens and earth you created, please change the scene and heal them, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Take that handkerchief to him. Don't move, please, please. There's people praying everywhere. My word is at stake, you see, because I challenge them to do it. And you know what takes place? Each spirit, when someone's moving, it interrupts the rest of them. They all watch this one. That throws them off. Let's be real reverent when you're in church now. Something happened right in here, and I didn't see it. But just a moment, keep praying. The lady, I suppose, being a stranger, we are to each other. If the Lord Jesus Christ will reveal to me what you're here for, will you accept him as being your healer, whatever you have need of? Will the audience do likewise? The mouth of two witnesses or more let every word be established. The lady is suffering with an extreme nervous condition and a thyroid which is making her overweight. And that's what she wants prayed for. That's exactly the truth. Let her be the judge. Now the Lord Jesus... Is that what he did when he was here on earth? How many knows that to be the Bible? Do you know if you ever read the Bible? Does the, was that what he did to prove his Messiahship to both Jew and all the rest of the people? Well, this is the end of time. The prophet said the sun would rise in the east. It'd be a dark day, not day nor night, but in the evening the sun would shine again. Is that right? It'll be light in the evening time. This is the light that he spoke of. The light is Christ. He's the light of the world. He's the shining. He shined on the eastern people in the beginning. At Pentecost, they had the same thing. And they took heed to these ignorant fishermen that they had been with Jesus because they'd done the works of Jesus. And in the western world, after the church age and denomination, it's ceasing and dying. Thanks be to God for that. But we're coming into the real age now, and the Christ is shining forth His blessings to the people again. You might not want to believe it because I'm not a bishop or some cardinal, but God don't always use bishops and cardinals. Sometimes He used fishermen 
and so forth like that. So he can take nothing and declare something. If I was a cardinal, you might think I was smart enough to, to have some kind of psychology or something. But I'm not a cardinal. I'm your brother. Let's see. He already told you what you wanted. Is that right? It was for what? Uh, let's see again. It's a nervous condition and overweight that you're praying for. And you've got a broken heart about something. And that is a little nephew of yours. And he's afflicted. About, he's a little boy about ten years old. And you're more interested about his parents because they're unsaved. And you're praying for them. Thus saith the Lord. God bless you, lady. Go on your road and believe. Be healed. Do you believe? Amen. How do you do, sir? I suppose that you and I are strangers to each other. The man said, Ten years ago in this same place, I prayed for him with a leaking valve in his heart, and God healed him. Just as it was coming in, it was told out there this afternoon to the boys of a man here from Phoenix, Arizona, that was sitting way up in a recording balcony at Madison Square Garden, and he had a severe case of diabetes. And while I was ministering in Madison Square Garden, the Holy Spirit, while his wife was praying for him, called him up in the recording office, and he was healed of serious diabetes. Is that man present in the building now? There he is, right there. That's the man, right there. The boys was telling me about it. See how God does? You say, what could do it? The Pharisees could said he was Beelzebub because he knew the thoughts of their heart, but they couldn't understand that what he said come to pass. Amen. That's what proves that it's the truth. Amen. Now, a leaking valve in the heart. Now, something else is wrong. And if God could heal the leaking valve in the heart, he could heal what's wrong now. If the Lord will reveal to me now, What's your trouble now? Will you accept it and believe it Amen. with all your heart? It's a prostrate trouble, which has been operated for, and it didn't do any good. Your prostrates are right now swollen up. You're having an awful time with them, getting up at night and so forth like that. Amen. That's true. God, who heals your valve, can heal your glands. Believest thou this? Amen. Then give me your hand. O oh, eternal and blessed God, in the name of Jesus thy Son, give unto this man his deliverance, for I ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Be reverent. Believe. 
I keep seeing dripping blood. Maybe it was the man that passed from, no, from Phoenix. It's the man sitting right here looking at me. He's praying for his wife. You're from Swift Current. She's got diabetes, doesn't she? And you were sitting there praying, Oh God, make it manifest to me tonight. If that man be true, let him tell me what my wife has. That's right. She's got diabetes, hasn't she? Raise up your hand if those words are true. May you go home and find it just the way you've believed it. Amen. Amen. Just believe. That's all that's necessary. If thou canst believe. Little lady had her head down, sitting right here. Flowers on her hat. Light over. If you can believe with all your heart, you suffer with a, a leg trouble, trouble in your legs, in your back, and in the liver. That's right, little ladies, sitting there with the flowers on your hat that had your head down praying. If that's right, raise up your hand. This lady right here. All right, you can go home and be well. Jesus Christ, make you well. What about it out there? Do you believe it? There's a man sitting here looking at me. Just has a pleasant look on his face like he has faith. I don't know you, sir. Do you believe me to be the prophet of a servant of the Lord? You do? This little man with a rainbow tie on or a picture on it here. I'm a stranger to you, am I? That's right, raise up your hand. You suffer with a rupture. You want the Lord to heal you, don't you? If that's right, raise up your hand. <clears throat> that's your daughter sitting next there. Right? What do you think about this little lady? You believe it with all your heart? You want God to heal your eyes, don't you? If that's right, raise up your hand. That's the wife sitting next again. You believe? Believe me to be God's prophet? You suffer with gallstones. That's right, raise up your hand. Who else believes the Lord? Amen. Here's a man sitting over here, raised his hand just now. Sitting on the end, got glasses on. His eyes are failing him. Sitting right back across the top here with gray hair. That's right. The man sitting next to you has heart trouble. He wants to be healed of heart trouble. That's right, isn't it, sir? Raise up your hand. Y'all put your hands on each other there, you two men. God bless you now. May the Lord Jesus condemn the devil. Amen. I challenge your faith in Christ's name. You might think I'm beside myself. I'm weak, but I'm not beside myself. I know who I have believed. And I know that he's telling the truth. He's vindicating it to be the truth. Would you want to get over that diabetes? Be made well? You believe God would heal you the diabetes? How many more out there? Let me show you the Spirit of the Lord. How many out there has got diabetes? Stand up on your feet. 
Stand right here a minute. Come here, sir. Stand on your feet. Every person in the building's got diabetes, so I'm going to show you the presence of the Lord. You want to be healed? Sir, you want God to heal you that stomach trouble? Amen. All's got stomach trouble. Stand up on your feet. Stand right over here. Just have faith in God. Rheumatism, arthritis. All that's got arthritis and can stand up on your feet that wants to be healed of arthritis. Let's bless the Lord, everybody. Amen. Cancer. That's right. All that's got cancer stand on your feet anywhere. I just can't call you fast enough. There's too many of you. Just keep on your feet a minute. You're going to see the glory of God in a minute. Come. Got heart trouble. And above that, you need Christ. You're wanting to get over something. Alcoholic condition. That's right. Will you accept Jesus as your Savior? Every sinner stand to your feet. Amen. Challenge you. Every alcoholic stand to your feet. Every nervous person stand to your feet. Come up here just a minute. The God of eternity, the God of heaven. Challenging men and women. Look, standing over here. That's the reason I couldn't call everyone. There's just too many of you. But he's here. And he knows you. If he can heal these, he can heal you. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Everybody else is sick. Stand on your feet a minute. Of any disease. This is the hour. If you believe me to be God's prophet over this building, seems like a, a light circling all over everywhere. It's the presence of the Lord. Let's raise your hands. You here, each one. Oh God, creator of heavens and earth, author of everlasting life, giver of every good gift, send thy blessings upon this people now. And I know that there's only one thing that could keep every person in here from being healed, and that would be unbelief. And oh God, I offer this prayer as a prayer of faith. I challenge the devil in the name of Jesus Christ that he leaves this building and from these people. Satan, you are exposed. You are no longer bluffing these people. They believe God. And I'm praying for them all this prayer of faith. You get out, I adjure thee by the living God that you depart from this building. You've been exposed all week long and you can't hold them any longer. Come out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Raise your hands and give God glory and you, everyone can be healed at this point.